1: This is the Joe and Amber podcast.
0: It is officially finally over. We think... Anyways, I am referring to Tom Brady's dominance in the NFL. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So Tom Brady comes out today. First thing in the morning, East Coast time. Crack puts out a video on his Instagram. Also posts it to his Twitter, announcing his retirement once again. This time he says he is in fact retired for good. Joe, do you believe it? Of course. Of
1: course I believe it. Brady's a guy who's been very meticulous throughout his entire career. Very organized. More importantly, very disciplined. Disciplined with his health. Disciplined with his workouts, his performances, his lifestyle. He's managed his image very well because he's got a ton of endorsements. The guy's not going to make mistakes. Now, that's not to say he's perfect, but I don't think he's going to run the risk of back-to-back retirements and then coming out of retirement. It would just look too goofy, wouldn't it? Like, even if it struck him up in a month that he wants to come back, how goofy would that look?
0: We saw Michael Jordan do it, right? Otherwise, we've seen a whole lot of boxers do it. That's really the only thing I can liken it to. I don't think we've seen it in the NFL. I have a hard time believing that he would suffer that embarrassment either. I mean... It seems like maybe last year's retirement was never really a retirement. If you believe some of those dolphins rumors that were out there and all of that weirdness, but you and the conspiracy
1: theories, the show's like 30 seconds in and it's right to the conspiracy theories with you.
0: I mean, it's a good conspiracy. I mean, the dolphins got in trouble for tampering with Tom Brady. So it's, you know, there's some legitimacy to it. They did actually get in trouble. Trust me. I know my team suffered in terms of draft picks. Nevertheless, Tom Brady, he comes back after 40 days of retirement last season. He can't do it again. This has got to be it. He's got to be done. Jeff Darlington, I heard him on our airwaves here on ESPN Radio earlier today. He had said emphatically that, as he understood it, that Tom Brady was considering either coming back to the Tampa Bay Bucks or retiring, that those were the only two considerations in his mind. I thought that was interesting.
1: Maybe not wanting to move. Maybe the kids in the family are staying in Florida. He doesn't want to be too far away. That's completely understandable. I mean, if this is the end, it's arguably the most extraordinary professional sports career we've ever seen. I went back and I was breaking up his stats today. If you take his first 12 years in the NFL and you compare it to his last 11 years in the NFL, you have two Hall of Fame careers, both of which are almost better than Joe Montana's entire career. Like, both those segments, he threw for more touchdowns, he threw less interceptions, he threw for more yardage in the second one, the Super Bowl trips, the MVPs. It is unbelievable what he has stacked up throughout the course of his career, and the heartbreak. Is there a fan base out there besides the New York Giants who has not at some point suffered excruciating heartbreak at this guy's hands?
0: No, and you told me when I said that I actually like Tom Brady now you said how could you ever do that as a Dolphins fan right this guy was killing you inside the division for so many years when he was in New England but at some point you just become numb to it because the greatness is so so great I came around on Tom Brady though when he went to Tampa. And I actually think, in terms of his legacy, and I, I'm not always one for this because I think a lot of athletes end up benefiting legacy wise from staying in one place their entire careers. I think with Tom, he actually benefited from leaving and going to Tampa and having another chapter, winning a Super Bowl somewhere else because for whatever reason, it made him so much more likable to everybody. I don't know if it was the separation from Bill Belichick and that Patriot way that just scrubs everybody from personality. But I felt like we all kind of got to know Tom Brady better during his Tampa years. He seemed a lot more fun and loose during his Tampa years, and you just couldn't deny the greatness and at some point just had to accept it and also enjoy it. I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more when it wasn't inside my division.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's his greatest accomplishment, but the fact that... We all knew when he and Belichick parted ways, the ultimate debate was going to be, was it Belichick or was it Brady? Right now, in reality, it was both of them. Let's be honest. There's no way one was carrying the other. But we were always going to debate that as sports fans. Him going to Tampa and immediately winning a Super Bowl, at the very least, buries the idea that it was all Belichick. Like, there's no way to say, well, Brady, if he had played anywhere else, he wouldn't have been able to get it done. No, he whitewashed that in one year, which is, to me, possibly the greatest accomplishment of his career. Mm-hmm. He didn't even give people the chance to talk. He shut everyone up preemptively.
0: Yes, excellent decision by him to go win one somewhere else without balachek He wraps up his career as the NFL's leader in career passing yards, touchdown passes, three-time league MVP, passed for over 4,600 yards, third most in the NFL, and 25 touchdowns just this past season Alone. I mean, we are talking about a quarterback who's still, frankly, going out on top, even though I think it's easy to forget that. Like, he did not have a bad season by him, himself, his own individual no. numbers this past season in Tampa. That Bucs team was disappointing, but he still had a lot left in the tank, and he just decided this is it. I thought he was very classy. I didn't play the sound here because I figure everyone's heard it at this point, but I thought he was very classy. He said, I'm not going to do the emotional essay. You guys got that from me last year. You're only going to get one retirement. essay. I'm just going to come out. I'm going to say it right away. I'm not going to leave anybody guessing. Hey, Aaron Rodgers, that's how you do it.
1: If he was smart, he would have announced this right at the end of the Super Bowl, sending radio and TV producers scrambling to figure out what they're going to lead with. Like, think about that. Oh, my God, do we lead with the Super Bowl winner? Or do we lead with Brady? Like, all if the people were there we If he was there in Rodgers, that's
0: exactly what he would have done. He would have announced it fourth Ro- yeah. quarter, two minutes left.
1: Rogers, without question, is announcing it during the game. Without question. Then he's sitting there, and he's probably <laughs> holding a press conference with McAfee during Super Bowl well, halftime. Well, Rogers Whole can't thing.
0: retire now, because he can't come out the same year as... I don't no. think he was retiring anyway. I don't believe point. any of this nonsense. But Rodgers can't retire. He can't come out the same year. They're both first ballot Hall of Famers. He doesn't so want to have to share that Hall of Fame class.
1: So dive into that. Dive into that because J.J. Watt and and Tom Brady are both retiring this year, which means what? You only get five in, if I'm not mistaken, something along those lines. So you're going to have a situation where I believe five years from now they become eligible. Those two are going in. If Mm -hmm. Rodgers retires, do you think Rodgers would get in in that class?
0: Yes, he's the first ballad.
1: So you send Brady and Rodgers in together. But
0: but Rodgers can't do it. He's not going to do it because he needs the Hall of Fame to be more about him. You can't come out in the same class. As Tom Brady, somebody who likes attention as much as Aaron Rodgers, and frankly, I mean, he's had the career to deserve some of it, but. A man that likes the that much? Come on. Rodgers is going to play this until strategically
1: no one else is available to get into the Hall of Fame. He'll play for like 30 <laughs> I... years, and it'll be a year where no one's going in, so it'll be just <laughs> Rodgers coming off his 72nd season in the NFL.
0: He'll still be making a weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee Show. <laughs> Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so that you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, more on on, Tom Brady. He is the GOAT, so we got to give him his due. This is ESPN Radio. Also, check us out on the ESPN app.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Joe and Amber, Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson, big day in the NFL as Tom Brady retires once again. But this time, this time I think it's for good. I think he's hanging it up. He's the greatest to ever do it. Right now, Joe, we might be witnessing the greatest start to an NFL career at the quarterback position ever in Patrick Mahomes. Tom Brady's start isn't the same. Also, he didn't start right away out of the gate. But I don't know if we're ever going to see a career overall like Tom Brady's.
1: I mean, from a longevity perspective, we, we forget to wait that. The, the Jordan-LeBron debate, LeBron has a monster edge when it comes to longevity. He's going to have the longevity numbers. He's going to have the high-level performance late in the career that's going to trump Jordan, and it mm-hmm. doesn't seem like that gets enough credit. Brady's ability to play at a high level for so long. I mean, just think about the way Drew Brees fell off at the end, and I hate that Drew Brees has to catch shrapnel in this argument, but think about how he fell off at the end as well, well as Russ so many him. other quarterbacks. Right? I, mean, I mean, Russ has fallen off right now. Russ isn't <laughs> yeah. even near 40 yet.
0: No, he's... Russ is, is not even 35 yet, uh, and you're right. He has already hit at least a little bit of a decline. We'll see if it gets better now that Sean is. at the helm we're going to get back to the brady conversation in just moments but first our favorite thing to do on the show is try to earn you some money honey everybody likes some money you need a little extra cash joe's come bringing the advice you're not going to bet the house but maybe you'll bet a little pizza money let's go
1: pizza money alert
0: pizza pizza
1: Cooking with Crisco, two and one last night, which means we're now five and one on the week. Pizza money number one on the ice starts in about 13 minutes. It's the Sabres and the Panthers going over six and a half goals. Buffalo games are averaging about seven goals per game this season, which is what happens when you lead the NHL in scoring, but rank 22nd in goals against Carolina, also a top 11 scoring offense. The key here, Carolina is really good defensively, but I think they're going to suffer from a case of the old dead legs tonight. Fifth game in eight nights, second half of a back-to-back. Give me the Sabres, give me the Panthers going over. Six and a half goals for Pizza Money Number 1. Breaking news, Tom Brady has announced he
3: is retiring. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm
0: retiring. We're good. 45, almost 46. He went out slaying like he came in. So it's hard to walk away from the game. We hear that from professional athletes all the time, Joe. And I'm sure it's hard to walk away from the game when you've done it better than anyone's ever done it. And it is still a game that you can play at a very high level, which we did see Tom Brady play well this past season. Yes, the Bucks were not good overall. Yes, it was a disappointing season, but his individual numbers were there. So I don't think there's any shame in the fact that he came back because people are going to say, oh, well, he should have retired after the Super Bowl a couple of years ago in Tampa. And all right, but he's a competitor and he felt like he had so much left at the tank yet it, or still that he just wasn't ready to walk away from the game yet. And I don't think that, frankly, there's any shame in, in trying to compete.
1: I mean, do you know how hard that's got to be? He spent half his life in the NFL. Not half his life playing football. Half his life in the National Football League. You're going to be moving away from a very specific schedule. Not just the regular season and postseason schedule. Your off-season workouts, when you go on vacation, when you do things with the kids. All of that is now going to be turned upside down depending on what he decides to do next. And that's something that a lot of people, older people primarily struggle with as they transition to retirement. You spend your whole life working. You, ha- you spend your whole life in a routine, and then all of a sudden you find yourself with all this time on your hands, and it can be unnerving. And I would bet that a guy like Brady was thinking about that down the stretch, like what am I going to do without football? And it's probably a little worrisome. I mean, I know most people will be like, oh, who cares? He has all the money in the world. It, that, that doesn't necessarily solve everything. It really doesn't.
0: Right. Well, and you're right. It's the routine of it all. It's like it would everything is so calculated, particularly for athletes, because you're right. We all experience this to some extent when we retire, but. The way that athletes live their lives With everything so regimented From the time that they're so young And it's so regimented around practice And around everything they're doing And for somebody like Tom Brady It's so regimented around what he eats How he trains How he conducts everything that he puts on Or in his body, right? I mean, that's got to be strange in and of itself He doesn't have to do that anymore And maybe he still will, who knows But that has to be a strange and an odd realization However, with Tom Brady. There are things that he's moving on to, right? We know that Fox Sports reportedly had signed him to that 10 year, $375 million television contract. He launched the Brady brand clothing line a year ago. He has that successful health and wellness brand, TB12. I have a bunch of TB12 protein powder in my pantry right now. He's got a production company, 199 Productions. So, he's going to be just fine in terms of keeping himself busy and whatever else he decides to dip his hand in moving forward. But let's get some perspective here on Tom Brady's career. Mike Reese, ESPN's Patriots reporter. He's been covering Brady since the beginning of it all. So, Reese, I believe he's actually retiring this time. You've probably been asked this question just about a year ago, but I'll ask it again. I think for real this time, what is your reaction to Tom Brady retiring?
3: Yeah, this one feels different. From last year, it, it felt very real. And I thought just the way he did it, you know, almost like holding up the, the phone and turning the camera around and doing it just from a very sort of um, a very basic, you know, very organic type message. Um, it felt very heartfelt to me and it felt very final to me.
1: Mike, I mean, you've been around him for so long. Do you have a favorite memory of Tom Brady's? Because I know you try to cover him as a reporter, but I mean, you've seen so many highs and some lows, obviously. Is there anything that stands
3: out? Oh, man, how much time do we have? (laughs) Right? Um, Well, I mean, on the field, I guess I'd I'd say it was the way he um, brought it to the highest level in the most critical moments. And... I think back, like, honestly, you could almost, like, pick a Super Bowl um, and pick any moment. I was talking with um, the Patriots owner, Robert Kraft, earlier today when, after Tom made the announcement, and I asked him, I said, what are your favorite memories? You know, I figure, let's, let's hear from the owner. And he, he talked about, like, one visual in his mind, Robert Kraft, was when Tom spiked the ball on the play, that preceded Adam Vinatieri kicking the game-winning field goal for their first Super Bowl championship, Tom sort of spiked it and held his hand up in the air, he, and, and this is crass words, he said, in regal fashion. He said that stood out with him, and then he said, of course, when you're down 28-3 in the second half against the Falcons um, and Tom leads them back, he said, that, that's an unforgettable memory. So there's those on-field stuff. And then, you know, countless off-field things where he just mixed this sort of care and compassion with that fierce competitive side on the field.
0: Mike Reese, he covers the Patriots for us here at ESPN. Uh, Mike, you tweeted out, and you can find Mike at Mike Reese on Twitter. You tweeted out, from day one, a true pleasure. You put a picture of you covering Tom Brady. It's from 1947. It's a black and white, very grainy photo, of course. Since you've been there since day one, though, Mike, when was the moment that you knew Tom Brady was something special?
3: Well, about that picture, um... I, I I didn't realize. I thought I was. I, I wanted to show Tom, and everyone's looking at it, and they're saying, like, "Wow, how short are you, Reese?" and "And what are you wearing?" and "Like, what, what are what are those sideburns all about?" You know. And I always joke. I say I always thought it might come back in style, but it never has. Um, oh man, when did I realize it? You know, I think the first thing that would say I would stand out was that 2003 season. So really, people forget, when they won the first Super Bowl, I think he had 150 passing yards in the first Super Bowl. That team was really led by the defense. But it was that second Super Bowl when they beat the Panthers, really low-scoring first half, and then it just broke open in the second half. And that's when I remember Tom sort of thinking to myself, like, they're not winning in spite of, I don't want to say in spite of him, that's not fair, but they were winning because of him right in that game to win a Super Bowl and that's the moment that stood out to me.
0: And so many more after that that they would win because of him. Mike Reese ESPN Patriots reporter, Mike, thanks so much for giving us some of your time.
3: Always. Thanks for having me. Always great being on with you.
0: Uh, that's going to be that... weird
1: next season. It's going to be oh. really weird next season to start a year without Brady and to not have to worry about where he's lurking or what division he's about to dominate.
0: But he's probably going to be on our televisions, which is also going to be weird, right? Do you think he follows through with that? I I do think he follows through with that, although apparently he's not going to be involved in the coverage of this Super Bowl, which I thought was interesting because I wondered if that was going to be the case. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, what's the future look like for somebody else in the National Football League? We'll get into it. This is ESPN Radio.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: find him on social media at Joe Fortenbaugh. That's how you get in touch with him. At Amber W Sports, that's how you get in touch with me. You can also tell your smart speakers to play ESPN radio. It is that simple. We know those smart speakers are always listening anyways. Let's be real to everything we say. And people have been saying all sorts of stuff, so let's get to it. This is a little segment we like to call Sound On, Sound Off.
2: They said it. But what do they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber.
0: The Broncos are hiring John Payton to be their new head coach. A lot of the talk yesterday was about how Payton would change the culture in Denver. Here's his former mentor Bill Parcells on KGM talking about the problems Payton is going to face with Russell Wilson.
3: I don't think you can separate one player from the whole team. I don't think you can, you can have privileged characters. I think you've got to kind of unify your team. Try to, I don't want to say you don't treat everybody the same because they have different personalities, but you try to do what's right in every situation. And I just don't think you can say this guy's different than the others.
2: So, Joe, uh, how much trouble will Sean Payton have in changing the culture uh, in Denver and also fixing Russell Wilson?
1: I believe he will not have much trouble changing the culture. When you talk about fixing Russell Wilson, if it means getting him back to the level we saw in Seattle like four or five years ago, I I don't see that coming. But I think he can improve him. Here's why. I find it very hard to believe that Peyton took this job without talking to Russell Wilson on the phone. I'm not saying I know that for a fact, but if you were doing your due diligence about signing this contract, making your comeback, putting your reputation on the line, don't you think somehow you would have been in touch with Russell Wilson to talk to him a little bit, see how he's feeling, see what he's thinking, get to know the guy, talk to other people about Russell Wilson. And then on the same side, does Russ want to end his career with this label? He had such a great career for so long, making so many plays, such a good guy going to the Children's Hospital in Seattle every Tuesday. Like, he's one of those great community guys. He's a great player. He's a great leader. Like, now he's being known as this diva. Like, that is not the way I imagine he wants to exit the NFL. So I'm, I'm very bullish on this situation. Not saying they're Super Bowl contenders, but I'm bullish, Amber.
0: He has a parking space. It's crazy. Everyone wants to like freak four? out about it. it's a. Du- who cares that he has a parking space? I mean, he's Russell Wilson. Shouldn't he have a parking space and an office? He's had a Hall of Fame career already. But I think he has
1: like four parking spaces, not the not one. I don't care. Give one. him 20.
0: I don't care. I mean, he had a Hall of Fame career for a decade in Seattle. It can't fall off the cliff the way that we've seen it fall off the cliff. I agree with you. I don't think there's any chance that Sean Payton takes this job, not just without talking to Russell Wilson, but without watching the film from this past season and deciding that he can get a lot more out of Russell Wilson. It doesn't have to be 2015 Russell Wilson, but he has to get more out of what we saw in 2022. And frankly, that seems like a task that Sean Payton should be able to take on. And we, again, are talking about a coach that you know Russell Wilson will respect because at least he's coming in with the resume. So when he is working with Russell Wilson, it stands to reason that, they should, anyways, have a good relationship with one another. Russell Wilson also wants to better himself coming off of a disastrous last season. The Derek Carr era is over in Vegas. So the Raiders are going to be looking for a new quarterback for next season. Raiders superfan and host of Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz says that there is one guy who Las Vegas needs to stay completely away from. <laughs> I
1: don't want the roller coaster ride, the soap opera of the weekly following of Aaron Rodgers, followed by the fact that the Raiders with Aaron Rodgers would not be as good as the Chiefs with Mahomes. And and you're right also that the Raiders with C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young right now wouldn't be as good as as Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But at least you'd say, hey, now we're starting a build. Now we're trying to get somewhere. I I would rather roll the dice if I'm the if I'm a bad team that can't win a Super Bowl right now. I'd rather roll the dice on a rookie quarterback than take Aaron Rodgers and give up draft equity to do that any day of the week.
2: So, Amber, this is your favorite subject. <laughs> I mean, you pretend that it isn't, but you love talking about Aaron Rodgers. You brought him up out of nowhere in that first segment today. So, anyway, if uh, if if you're a team that needs a quarterback for maybe a year or two, uh, is Aaron Rodgers worth the headache that he can be?
0: Nobody... Right now, hates on Aaron Rodgers more than me, right? Because I'm so tired of this Aaron Rodgers song and dance that we do now every season. I will say, though, even though Fitz and I are on the same page there, kind of a ridiculous take. Because if you told me Aaron Rodgers was coming to the Miami Dolphins, all of a sudden I'd be singing a whole different tune. I would take the drama in order to have the dude that ain't far removed at all from a back-to-back MVP season. I would take that smoke, Joe. It would be annoying, and I would be frustrated by what he's doing to Green Bay fans right now if he was doing it to my fan base. But the production and the possibility of that, and him pairing again with Devontae Adams in Vegas, yeah, that seems like something I'd sign up for if I was a Raiders fan. Fitz
1: is an idiot. And that's pretty much all that needs to be addressed right there. He is a delusional, (laughs) absolutely delusional Raiders fan who has somehow been so mistreated by his own franchise that he's twisted his little brain up into a pretzel to where he is now in a position to turn down a Hall of Fame quarterback who's still playing quite well in Aaron Rodgers because he has some other path he thinks the organization should take. I don't fully blame Fitz for being an idiot. This is what the Raiders have done to a lot of their fans. They have struggled quite a bit over the last couple decades since the Rich Gannon Super Bowl, but... I mean, my God, I love you, Fitz, but you are an idiot. What are you thinking here? What are you
0: thinking? At least I'm willing to admit to my desperation as a Dolphins fan and willing to admit that I would tuck my tail in between my legs and keep it moving if I had an opportunity at Aaron Rodgers.
1: I got to take – I'm not interested in a date with Margot Robbie. I want to make it very clear (laughs) I'm not interested in meeting Margot Robbie or even talking to her for all those reasons. Never, Mm -hmm. never. Uh Never,
0: of course, Never. There are quarterbacks available, though, so I guess Fitz is looking elsewhere for his team. What we know about the 49ers quarterback position heading into next year is that there's a lot of uncertainty, right? Trey Lance is going to be coming off of a major knee injury. Brock Purdy is going to be coming off of a major elbow injury and probably Tommy Johns. They won't be bringing in a retired now Tom Brady. Let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. What's his future with the Niners, if any? Here's head coach Kyle Shanahan.
2: I wish you guys could see Jimmy being back, and if so, what what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that.
0: Wow. So uh,
2: so so there's there's a certainty there. Uh, it doesn't sound <laughs> like Jimmy G is going to be back. Uh, so, Joe, where does Jimmy G land in the offseason?
1: Pretty sure they said the same thing last year and Garoppolo was their guy for a good Did chunk they of the Did you say it
0: that season. emphatically, though? I don't feel like I've ever heard an NFL coach say anything that emphatically ever in the history of the... What if Jimmy Garoppolo like, wanted to come back for $500,000 and Kyle Shanahan just said no? <laughs> I feel like at, least leave, like, a little, like at least leave the door a little cracked, you know? Kyle, like, just a little, a little cracked.
1: <laughs> I mean... It, the... <laughs> Yeah, I I don't even know. You know what? I honestly don't know if Shanahan would want him back for 500K. I think at some point, at some point, they just have to move on. The way you feel about Rodgers every offseason is kind of where I'm getting with the Niners and their quarterbacks. Figure it out. How about this? Just go figure it out. Stop having problems every year at the quarterback position. Stop having all these guys that either can play, have shown us they can play, are projected to play, surprisingly can play. Stop stop it. Stop with all of it. Just figure it out. You're supposed to be the head coach. You're supposed to be a professional organization. If you ever get this figured out, you might finally win a Super Bowl. But I, enough. I don't I don't care what your offseason has in store. Just figure it out and I'll be there week one to see what happens.
0: I mean Brock Purdy just showed up and you're already tired of this situation in Every San Francisco. Year with this team. We didn't actually answer the question about Jimmy Garoppolo. Where do you have him going? Next year? Yeah. Uh,
1: Carolina, it's going to be a stopgap situation. Carolina, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Houston brought him in. Mm-hmm. Kind of hold it over. Maybe if you go ahead and draft a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud number 2, bring in Garoppolo to mentor the guy a little bit. You don't need to take these young guys and throw them right to the fire. Okay? That, that trial by fire can get them good experience. But at the same time, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to sit them for three years either. You can take your time. If you're Houston, there's no rush.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't love that landing spot. I could see Carolina... Maybe Colts, maybe we could get crazy. The Colts can't do it.
1: The Colts can't keep this charade up. At some point, the Colts need a young quarterback and they need to move forward. It can't be Phillip Rivers to Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan to Jimmy Garoppolo. It cannot be that. Everyone needs to be fired if that's what happens.
0: LeBron James had a triple-double in the Lakers' win over the Knicks at MSG last night. He's 89 points away from passing Kareem on the all-time scoring list. He also recently entered the top five all-time in assists. So is LeBron a better scorer or a better passer? Here's Jay will on Keyshawn, Jay will and Max.
1: LeBron James.
0: He's fourth all-time
1: in assists. And really, when you think of what he does, do you associate scoring or passing more with LeBron? Because remember, when he came scoring. into the league, it's like, not scoring. me. I mean, I, he's a great scorer, but I always thought like it was like Michael and Magic had a baby. It was LeBron James. He's he's a guy but, but, who has but, that next level. But see, Max, no, I, 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 I can't let you do that though. Dude, because what? LeBron is one of the most gifted scorers the game of basketball has ever seen. And what about passers? Because well, he's he's one of the elite passers. But what happens is because he has at, at big moments at times deferred and made the right play, people have labeled him as not a scorer. But you're you're making a pet point that he's a great scorer. I get it. But what I'm saying is, if you, what do you think his greatest ability is? Scoring. Is a he's a better scorer than he is a passer? Yes. yes.
2: Okay, Amber. So, what's the most valuable part of LeBron's game? His scoring. I, I'm, or I'm his going passing? to
0: defer to Kellerman's Jay. Like, Will I refuse to here. accept this answer. But also, <laughs> I I do agree. I genuinely do agree with Jay. Will. Yeah. He, he the more valuable part of his game is scoring. But the weird thing is. And it's what they just said there. It's, he's such a complete player because he's so phenomenal, the greatest player of his generation, arguably the greatest player of all time. He's such a complete player that it's like almost takes away from the scoring. His scoring ability, like Jay Will said, is up there with anybody we've ever seen play in the NBA. I do think the scoring is the more valuable portion, but him as a facilitator is certainly invaluable as well.
1: I mean, he's averaging 27 points per game. Now, if that was for the season, that'd be good. If that was for a a, a career, an eight, nine-year career, that'd be really good. It's a 19-year career where he's averaging 27 points per game in the NBA. And he's not slowing down. He's averaging 30 this year. He averaged 30 last year. I think Max makes an excellent point. We should talk about the passing and facilitating more than we do because he's gifted at that. But he's so good at scoring and some other stuff, he just completely dwarfs that. I mean, the guy's career has just been phenomenal. By the way, you know what I just realized, neighbor? He's now in his fifth season in L.A. That's more than the time he spent in Miami, which was four. I can't believe that. I
0: can't believe he's been with the Lakers longer than he was with the Heat. He has been. Uh, more championships, though, with the Miami Heat. Yes. Just all that matters, baby. Go Heat. Uh, averaging over 30 points per game this season alone. He is 38 Years old. We keep talking about Tom Brady's longevity in terms of a part of his story and making him the greatest. LeBron James's longevity might be that thing, like you keep saying, that pushes him into that other category of the Michael Jordan conversation. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune in to NBA action tomorrow night as the Cavs host the Grizzlies presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7pm Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber, Jerry Jones said, what about looking at drafting a quarterback? You gotta hear this. This is ESPN Radio.
1: Joe and Amber, the podcast.
0: You have to let this song ride out for a- A moment there, Joe. Right?
1: Yes. Yes. Well done by you. That's still holds up.
0: Still holds up. Joe and Amber here, ESPN Radio. Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson. We haven't yet done our Cowboys segment. In fact, I'm not sure we talked about Cowboys all week. So we better, we better go ahead and get it in because we host a national radio show, right? And what else do we do uh, that check off? That we got to fill the quota. We got to check off the Cowboys box. Well. Luckily, Calvin Watkins gave us some material because he tweeted out, Jerry Jones said the Cowboys are committed to drafting a quarterback. He said he should have committed to drafting one every year, years ago. What do you make of that statement coming from Jerry Jones?
1: This is the Bill Walsh school of thought. Bill Walsh used to say this. You should draft a quarterback every year. Where people get caught up is they think it means drafting a quarterback in the first round every year. No, it doesn't necessarily mean that. So I think there's three reasons why Jones said it. Number one, he is a master marketer. He says this well before the draft. You know why? Because, once again, we have a reason to talk about the Cowboys. It's, we're going into Super Bowl week, and we're still talking about the Cowboys. So nice work by Jerry Jones there. Number two. Mm-hmm. He just saw what happened with Brock Purdy in San Francisco. That is a seventh-round quarterback who filled in admirably. There are a lot of teams around the league who have to be thinking, who's the next Brock Purdy? Who's a guy that we can get for cheap that might be able to step in in a pinch and handle the job like Purdy did? And then number three, motivate Prescott, right? You got to fire him up a little bit. Prescott has had Jason Garrett, he's had Mike McCarthy, he had Kellen Moore as a play caller. Like, we've seen a lot from Prescott, and we've seen some highs, but we've seen a lot of lows. If he's gonna find another gear, they gotta do something different. So trying to motivate him here, I could completely understand this would be part of the equation.
0: But we did see Cooper Rush take over that offense, and for a while there, everybody was freaking out and thought that he was the next coming, right? And then he ends up going back. But if Dak was going to be motivated by the presence of somebody, frankly, it could have happened during that time I do think that that works in some locker rooms don't get me wrong I just don't know if that needs to be the recipe with the Dallas Cowboys because you have so much pressure on you at all times anyways if you're the quarterback of that team there's so much scrutiny there's so much constant criticism that Dak Prescott has to overcome that it feels like he should be motivated just by that, by the very nature of his position on that specific team. Whereas in other locker rooms, maybe you'd get some complacency. You want to light a fire under them. You go ahead and you bring in the new guy. I just don't know if that's necessarily the answer to the equation here with the Cowboys. Very fair point. Very fair
1: point. So if we take that out of the equation, maybe he's just trying to make headlines. Maybe he really is buying into the Bill Walsh school of thought with the Brock Purdy situation in San Francisco. he got to find somebody down there. And you probably are to an extent thinking, you know what, how many more years are we going to do the Prescott thing? What's the problem with drafting a young guy and having him sit there for two to three years and develop? Who knows, right? Well, I mean, spe- Jordan loves a first-rounder they're doing it to in Green Bay, but right. there's nothing to say you can't do that with a second- or third-round guy.
0: Well, and I was what I was going to say, especially if you're taking somebody late. And I, I do think that this conversation comes off of Brock Purdy, of course, pretty easily. If you're taking them in the first round, yeah, they're going to cost you a boatload of money, and you're probably not going to want to sit them behind, some, unless it's a Hall of Famer like an Aaron Rodgers, but that's an unusual situation up there in Green Bay. Typically, you're not going to want to do that. But that's not what we're talking about, I don't think. I don't think that's what Jerry Jones is talking about here when he's saying draft one every single year. He's saying take a flyer, fifth round, sixth round, whatever. Let's go. Let's take a flyer on a quarterback. I subscribe to that school of thought. I do not understand why teams don't do that. It is the most important position in the NFL. Hit on it. Years ago, when uh, it was the 2020 draft, when both Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts were coming out in that draft, I was on... What was that show at the time? Gol- Golik and Wingo, I think it was at the time, right? There's been so so many shows here on a ESPN lot of iterations, a lot of moving parts, right? A lot of iterations. Golik and Wingo. I was on Golik and Wingo as their, uh, or maybe it was maybe it was Shanae and Golik Junior. Either way, I was on one of those shows.
1: You were on an ESPN radio. show. I was show. on an ESPN Got
0: radio it. show as like the Dolphins picker for the draft that they were doing, right? And I said. That I I wanted, I had to give, that was the year that the Dolphins had three draft picks in the first round. And I wanted to get crazy with the first one I drafted Tua, because that was the obvious. Everyone knew the Dolphins were going to draft Tua there at fifth. The second one I drafted, I think, like a guard. And then I wanted to get crazy with that third pick and draft Jalen Hurts at the end of the first round. And I didn't do it. I chickened out. I went for, I think, a running back. I went for like a more predictable type of position because everybody would have freaked out if I had drafted two quarterbacks in the first round. But I strongly considered doing it, like very, very strongly. If my career had been more solidified here at ESPN, I probably, frankly, would have done it because. That's the most important position in the NFL. Just use your draft. If you have three first-rounders, waste the draft capital on it. And you know what would have happened if they had done that? I mean, think about it.
1: (laughs) If they had done that. Uh, Do you know how lame it is to chicken out of a mock draft? If you were actually the general manager of the Dolphins, I could understand you getting cold feet. It is a mock draft. And then you went running back, talking about how valuable it is. You took the least valuable of the positions over the most valuable of the positions.
0: I think I took Swift. Wasn't he that draft? I think that's who I drafted there. Great. If I remember all that. And I'm sure everyone
1: remembers that pick. They probably will. That's probably etched in stone in ESPN lore.
0: I did not play that right. Because you were right. If I wanted to make waves, see, I was scared at the time of making the waves because I wanted this career here. But in hindsight, if I wanted to make the waves, I needed to have the crazy take. I just wanted to go outside the box. Here's what, what we're going to do. I would do it over, I would do it over. And also, I would have Jalen Hurts.
1: <laughs> top of the hour is coming up here. It's going to be 8 o'clock. And I have to do the math because I'm out here in Las Vegas. You're promising the people a ridiculous take at the top of the hour. Am at I? the top of the hour, you have to come up with a ridiculous take. You work at ESPN now. It's part of the job. Think of a ridiculous take. I don't want to know it in the break. I want you to unveil it on us at the top of the hour. Can you handle that?
0: I'll try. No,
1: no, no. Not I'll try. You will. Come on. Joe and Amber, the podcast.